start sometimes you just no you don't yeah. Yeah. yeah you really don't yeah um so we will introduce our guest in just a second um but girls I was thinking about something mm -hmm. as I as I normally do I believe I've talked about this before but I really haven't asked the question um I haven't asked you Lou and uh and Annie so I'm going to ask you both yeah. so you know that there are embarrassing moments that you see other people like that happen in front of your eyes, mm -hmm. right? Where somebody trips over something or someone runs into something or, you know, things like that where they are clearly embarrassed. Mm -hmm. um, and it becomes a part of the stories that you tell to other people, <laughs> you know? And this person has no idea that their life, their mishap, their trip, their fall mm -hmm. is going to be retold at... <laughs> Stories, family gatherings, um, coffee dates with podcasts, friends, podcasts. podcasts. Like they have no idea. And I, I was actually just, I was thinking about that where, you know, when, when <laughs> that kind of stuff happens to you, you're like, gosh, what, what things have happened to me that were extremely embarrassing that nobody that I didn't see somebody see me. But you always wonder, did somebody see me do that? Did somebody see me just? Well, and then sometimes the it's so bad that you hope. You're like, I really hope someone got to enjoy me yeah. running into yeah. the curb and flying over my handlebars. Yeah. I really wish someone would have seen because it would have made it that much better. It's I did true. that once, but no one was around. It was very unfortunate. I was like, I wish someone could have laughed with me while uh -huh. I hit the curb as like I was 20 oh, yeah. in college. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like I, um, so I have a moment that I, it was just recent and I've told you about this, Lou, but I haven't told you any. And I was walking into Lowe's. Uh, and in the back part of Lowe's, like the construction section, mm -hmm, where mm -hmm. they have two enormous doors, electric doors. And I, before I get out of my car, I notice this big truck, and there's like four or five guys standing there. And so I just kind of, as a single girl, I'm like, ooh, are any of them handsome? You know? like, <laughs> so I kind of like look, and, and then one's handsome, and he kind of sees me, and I was like, oh, he sees me. And I'm like, I, my heart starts to beat a little faster, you know, and I don't really know what to do. And I'm like, oh, man, I wish I would have done the hair a little bit better, you know. I'm just coming from the gym. And I walk up to the door, and I'm like trying to like act really cool. <laughs> No. Oh, this yeah. No. Yeah. I act really cool. And it's very obvious that I see him. And it's very obvious that he sees me. And it's very obvious that I'm very flustered. And I walk up to the door. And usually you're about, like, what, 10 feet away from the door before it, like, senses you and it'll open? Well, I'm getting closer. I'm, like, 10 feet away, 6 feet away, 5 feet away, 4 <laughs> feet away, 3 feet away. And then I just kind of, like, slowly just stand in front of the door. And I'm like, it's not opening. It's not opening. And it didn't open. And so I kind of like look around. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I like, I like look to my right. He's not at my right, but he is at the left. And I'm like, <laughs> like, I had no idea like what to even do. Like, do I, do I giggle? Do I say something to him? And then I turn around and then the door opens and then I'm like in, I'm in, in like a second. Oh my gosh. And so I'm wondering like, okay, does this guy like tell this story? Like this girl was totally checking me out and she was like, oh 
yeah, yeah. And then walks up to the door and the door doesn't open. I'm like, is he tell this has he told that story again? Uh, no, he's saying, Dang, I saw this girl in those little Lululemons. <laughs> she was cute. But she couldn't open the door. But she couldn't open the door. And I just didn't have the guts to talk to her and she walked away. <laughs> yeah. Oh guys, I was so embarrassed. I was so embarrassed, girls. Mm. Did you go back? Did no. You? I just kind of hoped that he maybe would come in, but he didn't. Follow you around the store? Maybe. You were like, hey, I just want to like see, like just go say hi. like phone number on your windshield. Yeah. And I had Camp 17 in the back window of my car, so I thought maybe he'll pick me definitely up. Definitely Google it. Yep. No, nothing. Mm-hmm. I'm like, shoot. <sighs> you blew it. I did. Because usually like living in Medford, Oregon, like most of the guys, like you know them. You know their brother. You know their mom. You know their dad. <laughs> you've seen their dog. Like you, you like, you know. Or they're married. Or they're married. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Welcome to the Dear Life I'm In podcast. We are so glad that you're here. If you have not subscribed, please subscribe so you can listen to all the goodness. This week on episode 11, this is episode 11, we are still in the middle of quarantine. (laughs) But we have a guest. We do. And we have a guest because she's our next door neighbor (laughs) and friend. So we are here with our friend Annie Stack. And we're doing like a little Mother's Day edition mm-hmm. of the podcast. Mm-hmm. So we asked her to join us. So we are so glad that you are here. Thanks for having me. Yes. So a little history. I have known Annie for, oh my gosh, when did you start coming into the gym? Um, 2009. 2009. So she comes into the gym and uh, she, I remember she writes a check. <laughs> and she has like almost the same handwriting as I do, and it was very weird. <laughs> it and is she was very uncanny. Very, it's, like, it's yeah. crazy. How I, ha- I still have to say your handwriting is better than mine, no. unless unless it's in a it's a public thing where you know you're like yes yeah so you're gonna draw or you're gonna write. And so Annie came into the gym and uh, we became friends. So it was 2009. Mm-hmm. So we're on 10 years. 10 yeah. years. Two twelve. 2009. Oh, it's 2020. 11 years. 11 years. 11 years of friendship. Um, And uh, she now actually owns, I remember one of the very first conversations we ever like actually sat down and heard each other's stories. And she told these incredible, I remember she asked me, I'll just tell you guys this really quick. So she asked me my story and I'm like, uh, I don't really have a story. I like live here. I own a gym and I like went to college. Did I actually say that? I actually said, what's your story? What's your story? Yeah. You started asking me about my story. Mm. Yeah. You don't really do that. You don't. Yeah. But then you did. Yes. Tell Mm. me. Yeah. And, uh, she, so I start telling her parts of my story and then I'm like, okay, can we seriously stop talking about me? I'm like feeling itchy. I'm feeling uncomfortable. (laughs) And, and then she starts telling me like, oh my gosh, I have trips through Africa and this. And I set up, you know, refugee camps for women who were sex trafficked in Rwanda. And I was like, oh my gosh, I own a gym in Medford, Oregon. Like, you are so much cooler than I am. <laughs> I was probably bragging. <laughs> but that was, that was, and then later that, in that same conversation, I had this like weird, like, like gut feeling. It was like in my, in my spirit that like one day, like, gosh, she's going to be a part of my business somehow. It's like so weird. I have no idea how or why, like, 
And then I ended up in 2012, I ended up selling her and her husband, Austin, my gym. Mm -hmm. And so... And we, I never thought I'd be a gym owner. No, no. You never thought you'd be missional. No. <laughs> and here we are. We like swapped lives. <laughs> I went into missions and then and then we opened Camp 17 inside of the den. And then we moved two doors down. And then we are now uh, next door neighbors. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So awesome. just crazy, crazy stuff. And we're all still friends. And you have kiddos now that are just mm-hmm. awesome that just waltz into the house and they're like can I have some snacks sorry about that (laughs) where are my toys no it's the best thing ever it's wonderful yeah Yeah. and we always know when there's when they come over and there's a little knock on the door and we know if it's Capri or we know if it's honey (laughs) like just by the way the little knock and then who tries the handle and who doesn't yeah who tries uh, Sassy. Sassy tries. Okay. Yeah, but Hudson it's, usually it's will wait until we until yeah. we come to the door. Oh, good. Yeah, yeah. but <laughs> Capri's like it's just like a little tap tap, and then <laughs> she's yeah. like, "Let me in." Yeah, yeah. I absolutely love it. Yeah, yeah, your kids are great. It really is such a highlight. And then your kitties walk behind this by the side yeah. of the house all the time. Yep. Yeah, yeah. It's so fun. Yeah. And so um, Lou and I were chatting about what uh, what we wanted to talk about in this podcast. And, um, and we, we have, we obviously, we have a lot of things to pull from and a lot of life experience in certain areas, but neither of us are mamas. Um, we like to believe that the women that are in our gym, like we are mothers to, to them, um, as we push them to do difficult things, um, as they come to us when they're lost, um, we help them, we provide a safe space, um, for them to grieve, for them to fight, um, for them to really look and see who they really are, and we absolutely and then sometimes tell them to like stop it, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> stop yeah, it for real, no, like moms do, <laughs> yeah, yes, yeah. yeah, like good moms it. do. Yeah. Yep. Sometimes we ground them and put them in the corner <laughs> on occasion. You're not allowed back until you start talking nicely to yourself. They're like, what? Repeat after me. I forgive you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and so we we thought, oh my gosh, it would be amazing to have Annie on. Um, we see you firsthand with your kids and with your hubby and you are an amazing woman and you are honorable, you are tough, you are, but yet you're so loving with your kids and I absolutely love it. Like when your son starts mouthing off, you give him like, (laughs) Hey buddy. And then, or if he gets a little rowdy, you get a little rowdy with him and I love it. I absolutely love it. And, and so we were like, gosh, let's like, let's have Annie on and let's just talk about what it's like to be a mama. And even like the difference between being a mama to a boy and a mama to a little girl and what the perspective looks like, you know, and, and just how you can help cultivate their little life rather than trying to conform them into what you want them to be, but to really let them be a little wild. Um, yeah. So what would you say? is like one of the biggest differences between being a boy mom and being a girl mom. Like once you had Capri, Mm -hmm. what, what was different about that than there, than like you being a mom with Hudson versus girl. Yeah. Um, there's, I feel like there is some like significant differences. Well, first of all, let me tell you guys, thank you. Yeah, (laughs) of course. Thank you for affirming me Mm. and thank you for having me. This feels super special and a little undeserving, but Mm. here we are. (laughs) No, I, I, of all the things that I have 
the capacity to do in my life to be a mama is definitely my greatest priority, but also the source of a ton of joy for me. Mm. It is my most important job. Mm. So I feel that way. I really mm. feel proud to be a mom, and I feel proud to be a mom to Hudson and to Capri. So. Um, yeah, so thank you for that. Yeah. Okay, well, I do think there's significant difference between raising boys and girls, but I also think there's significant differences in raising firstborns versus secondborns. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, it's just different. Mm -hmm. You know, I um, when Hudson was born, uh, Hudson means adventurer, mm -hmm. and that was important because of my story. I deeply wanted my son to know how to adventure mm -hmm. and to not be afraid to do that. And then crew is his middle name and that means strong tower. Mm -hmm. And if you know Austin, <laughs> um, then it is fitting for his person yeah. um, because he really is that. He really <clears throat> is a strong tower. Um, so when Hudson was born, I think I felt genuinely unprepared. <laughs> like, <laughs> Oh, here we are. <laughs> We're here. Um, I just felt genuinely unprepared, but knowing that I had a boy, the I just remember thinking over and over and over again, I just want him to be brave. Mm. Like if he can be anything, that he would be brave. Mm. And like learning to cultivate into the heart of my son bravery and kindness mm -hmm. and the ability to not squash his person. Mm -hmm. uh, I did not grow up with brothers. I grew up with one sister. Mm. And if you've raised girls and you've raised boys, they are very different. <laughs> and the temptation is that sometimes, you know, you want them to sit and be quiet and you want them to um, speak softly and, I don't know, not make weird body noises with their mouths. <laughs> like, yeah. that's cool. Or their butts. Or that. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you just do. And so I think that Austin and I in our parenting and specifically um, in mothering, like, we so deeply want Hudson to know that he is free from any shame to be fully boy. Yeah. Um, because that's what the world needs. Yeah. The world needs little boys who turn into men mm -hmm. who know their strength, mm -hmm. who know that their unbridled ability to lead, mm -hmm. but who are also tender and have the capacity to really walk out their callings because they've not been squashed. Yeah. So and good. so that's like important to me. They're, that's a huge difference. So you're constantly like pushing your sons to do hard things. Like Austin and I were looking back at pictures of Hudson's third birthday and I just about pooped myself. <laughs> I was like, I threw my son a dirt bike party. As like he was three years <laughs> With old. real dirt bikes. Real dirt bikes. Like <laughs> we're not gasoline. talking like the little like electric <laughs> like yeah. real dirt bikes. Like yeah. hot motors, like real jumps, real jumps. <laughs> Austin's dad built a dirt bike course. His older cousins were there, all riding much bigger bikes. And I just, I, for whatever reason, that just felt normal. Yeah. And I look back and I'm like, he's a tiny human. Yeah, he's three like, years what old. What was he doing <laughs> on a dirt bike? Yeah, yeah. But there is part of me that's just thankful that mm -hmm. Austin and I were like somehow a little bit ignorant, maybe, to the mm -hmm. fact that there is danger yeah. and that it's okay for him to to still go there. Mm, that's and so good. there is a balance. You don't want your kid like, you know, 
I don't know, climbing every tree and breaking every limb, but little boys are probably going to do that. Yeah. Yeah. But isn't and that the so, way that they learn? Totally. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so I do see like this, um, I do see as our culture develops, we want to put men, emerging men in different boxes. Mm-hmm. And it's important for me that my sons, son singular now, but maybe later sons, mm-hmm. um, that they really know their strength and they know their value and they know what they're capable of and they're not afraid mm-hmm. to walk in the unknown. Mm-hmm. That's, that's important good. to me. So I think raising, now that's no different for your daughter either, mm-hmm. but you cultivate her a little differently, yeah. right? So she finds her strength um, when she knows that she's secure. Mm-hmm. I mean, sons do too, but for girls it just looks different. When I had Capri, Capri means um, beautiful her middle name is Sloan. It means warrior. Mm-hmm. And we knew that she would be that. Yeah. We she knew she would be that. We knew she would be a beautiful warrior. Yeah. yeah. And um, Capri could give a rip about getting on a dirt bike. She doesn't care. Right? <laughs> she barely cares about riding a bike unless it has a princess seat in the back for a baby and it's pink. Like, she just <laughs> yeah. doesn't care. Right? So, like, you don't you don't push the same things because she genuinely doesn't care. Mm-hmm. So her strength is no different. Her strength mm-hmm. is not less because she doesn't care for dirt bikes and climbing trees. Like it looks different. How you cultivate strength in her looks different. Yeah. And so, um, it's important to us that she know that her femininity is not bad, mm-hmm. that it's not again, in an emerging culture, we want to tell her, you can do anything the boys do. Mm-hmm. That's not fully true. Yeah. Yeah. I don't believe that that's fully true. Yeah. And that might not be terribly PC, but I don't believe that. Mm-hmm. Um, she has a special calling on her life. Yeah. And mm-hmm. um, I have like a sneaking suspicion that if my son chooses to go be a Navy SEAL, that his strength is no different than his sister's, but she might not be so excited about that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's so true. Yeah. Weird. Weird. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I, I just think raising boys and girls are very different. Mm-hmm. But it's yeah. just awesome. And they, they cultivate in you very different things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Would you say, uh, do you have a question? Mm-hmm. Okay, go for it. Yeah. Well, one, I just wanted to say, like, everything that you have, you guys have said that you have wanted to do, like, that's who your kids are. They mm-hmm. are, like, such a, I remember the, the day that you said it. And I, we, I use it now on a regular basis because it's just good for humanity. Mm-hmm. Like where you're like, I'm raising children that are either going to be a blessing or a bummer in mm-hmm. the world, you know, mm-hmm. totally. where I think all of us, either you're a blessing or you're a bummer. Like, what are you going to yeah. choose to be? Mm-hmm. But your kids really are such a blessing in yeah. just who they are. And they are every part of who they are, you mm-hmm. know, like Hudson just running around in a circle where you're like, can you stop it? Can you stop it? And you're like, Hudson, you know, right. And I'm moving my hand as if people could actually see me right now, but they can't. But, um, but I actually was, I, I don't think I've ever asked you this question, but what was like, what was your very first thought when you found out that like you were going to be a mom? Like what was your very, like the moment that you knew that you were pregnant and you were going to be a mom. Like, what was your thought? Yeah, I remember this moment very intimately, which is so interesting that you asked me this question because I remember feeling this, like specifically feeling 
in specificity this emotion. Mm. Um, I learned that I was pregnant and Austin was working in Nashville Mm. and um, we had planned to be pregnant and so it wasn't a surprise. Um, And I... (laughs) took a pregnancy test at the gym, which is so embarrassing. <laughs> really you sorry. Did. I did. And I yeah, I took a pregnancy test at the gym and I FaceTimed him in the bathroom because that just seemed normal at that point. <laughs> um, and I remember tears like streaming down my face because I had always wanted to be a mama. Mm. Like I had always wanted to. And then I remember leaving the gym that day and walking to my car. And this is the emotion that I remember feeling like I felt in my gut sacred. Mm. That's what I felt. Mm. Like I remember thinking there is life in me. Mm. Wow. That's and so I cool. remember it. I very clearly remember mm. feeling like there is something so sacred in me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And at that point, when you first learn you're pregnant, you don't feel diddly squat. Yeah. You know, you're just yeah. like, oh, I really need to start my period. You know? <laughs> yeah. But you don't, you don't feel that, but I, it changed instantly. Like, I just remember feeling like I have this precious job and it mm-hmm. feels sacred, mm-hmm. which is really crazy. Yeah. Did, I think you told me I did. while we were in the bathroom at the gym. I think I, I, I think what happened was I went upstairs and Austin was like, don't tell anyone. I was like, got it. <laughs> And then I would think I was crying at my desk, or I was like excited or something. Yes. And I said, Lou, I have to tell you oh, something. Oh, and I was on the other side yes. of the wall. Yes. yes, I was in the other I was like yeah. remembering that there was a wall yeah. between us when you told me, but I could hear you talking to me through the walls because we were upstairs. Yeah. 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 So, sorry, honey, about that. <laughs> <laughs> Don't tell anyone. Got it. <laughs> Lou. Yeah. <laughs> I remember that. I was in. The other, remember when we, the, there was that the classroom, yeah, upstairs, we yeah. down that wall. and I was like reading, I was laying down on the floor, yeah. reading a book in between a client and Annie said, I, I have to tell you something. Yeah. And then she just like told me and I was like, what? What? <laughs> uh, oh, that's oh incredible. Gosh. Wow. That's that so you felt good. sacred. But isn't that, isn't that what, it is our greatest, it is our greatest calling. It is our greatest joy. It is, it is what. We were designed for is is babies, mm-hmm. like our we have wombs to carry to life. carry life. And for so many women, I think there's so much pain and heartache wrapped around that because they they just never mm-hmm. could. Mm-hmm. And um, but to know that you're no less sacred, you're mm-hmm. just there. Things mm-hmm. happened, mm-hmm. Um, but to realize, like to even to think that, like that's such an interesting emotion mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. to feel. Mm-hmm. Like you had. That's, that's Were you awesome. scared? Um, yes. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I scared, was. Scared about being, because I think, I think, like when I think about like being pregnant, I think about two different things. Like the fear of being pregnant, mm-hmm. but then also the fear of realizing that when you're no longer pregnant, there's going to be a baby mm-hmm. that then is going to, that you're going to watch grow like a human. Yeah. You're going to have a life that you're responsible for. Yeah. Like what part, like. Okay, so I'm not sure scared is was the right verbiage for me. Mm-hmm. I think you definitely feel a little like, okay. <laughs> um, you feel like a very deep understanding as soon as that happens, that mm-hmm. you learn that you're going to be a mama in any context. 
that your life is no longer your own. Yeah. So it, that that is the emotion. Is like this very it is sacrificial. Like yeah. you do feel like okay, mm-hmm. like my life is no longer my own. And I actually was just recently talking with a mama who learned she was pregnant and felt the shame of like a little grief. And I was like, no, I I personally believe that is incredibly healthy Mm -hmm. Um, because you understand if you're grieving, then you understand that your life is going to look different Mm -hmm. and it should, it has to, Uh, if you're not going to adapt, you're going to have a heck of a time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You really, really are. And, and from that moment forward, the food that you put in your mouth, the way that you move your body, the thoughts that you think, mm-hmm. the yeah. sleep and the rest that you receive or don't, all of those things impact the child that's growing inside of you. Yeah. So your life really is not your own anymore. Yeah. So I think it's a healthy thing. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's abnormal. Mm-hmm. How do you, um, so then like fast forward to when you actually, mm-hmm. when you have the baby, mm-hmm. how do you, or how have you, um, been able to then even know that like Annie, Annie is Annie and Mm -hmm. Annie is a woman Mm -hmm. and Annie is a wife and then Annie Mm -hmm. is a mama. And how do you manage or even feel, uh, cause I know mamas feel guilty about Mm -hmm. taking time for themselves Mm -hmm. to be, to be Annie Mm -hmm. and rather than like, okay, I am Annie. I am a mama. It is part of who I am. Mm -hmm. But how do you, how do you find the balance? Like if you were to give, um, if you were to give new mamas or mamas that aren't necessarily new, but they have lots of kiddos or even just a couple or even just one Mm -hmm. and they're struggling finding balance of like finding themselves Mm -hmm. and taking care of themselves and then also being there for their children, mm-hmm. but yet not losing themselves in the mix, mm-hmm. um, not completely becoming um, no longer existent. Like it, because mm-hmm. we we work with a lot of women, and that's what happens. Yeah. Um, and then their children go off to school, and they're still a mama, but it's different, and they have no idea who they are, mm-hmm. and they struggle with this identity, almost like this identity crisis, where they're like, I have no idea what to do mm-hmm. now that my children are gone, because I've only been a mom. Because I've only been a mom. Yeah. It's kind of a packed question mm-hmm. because when you're unpack it, for I, was gonna, I was just going to say that <laughs> when your babies are born, you are kind of in survival mm-hmm. and it's designed that way. You have like all these happy hormones because you sit in the bed with your boobs out <laughs> all day long <laughs> and you have this like tiny little human that you just try to keep quiet and fed, right? Yeah. yeah. But you're super happy because all the happy hormones, right? Yeah. And at that point, you're not really thinking about like, who am I? Like what you're just not, you are just like existing to keep this child like alive and Mm -hmm. well. And if it's your first one, you're a little worried. Yeah. 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 Am I going to like squash it? Is it eating enough? Is it poopy enough? You know, yeah. By like the third, fourth, you're like, eh, I think they're fine. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I mean, I think in the beginning you are truly just in survival. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I do think there's an opportunity in every age and in every stage of your child's life if you choose to be connected to yourself and your kid and your spouse that you literally have the opportunity to morph alongside of your growing baby. Mm-hmm. I, I really believe that. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I think sometimes we do it well, sometimes we don't. So yeah. we, we try again, we reconnect mm-hmm. again. Um, I believe heavily, like I, I think you really have to be cognizant of your heart when you step into motherhood because the temptation is I'm a mama now Mm -hmm. and my whole world exists to keep these humans happy. Mm -hmm. And it's so tempting, right? Mm -hmm. Because when they're happy, you're happy, Mm -hmm. right? There's like something like romantic about it kind of, right? Yeah, totally. And and you learn until they're like three and then you're like, holy shit. (laughs) (laughs) I don't even know how to keep a three-year-old happy. It's like stuffing animal cookies in your mouth all day, right? (laughs) So at some point you transition from, I just don't want you to be happy. I I need you to be quiet. (laughs) We need to grow. We all need to grow. It's time to grow. (laughs) Right? Like you do. Like you Mm -hmm. definitely get there. But I think that as your children grow and as they morph and as they get bigger, you should be getting bigger alongside of them. Mm-hmm. I yes. really genuinely believe that. And there might be times when you're like, all I can do is survive 100%. Totally. So then surround yourself with people who are like, girl, I got you. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to bring you bagels and cream cheese. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm just going to yeah. bring it for you, right? Yeah. Um, and then I do think there's a specific transition. Um, you don't, at some point in your children's lives, you make a decision not to raise assholes. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Yeah. You, yeah. You, and, and that stage is like three. Yeah. <laughs> it's like three years old. And you're like, okay, so what my children believe is that I'm their snack bitch and that <laughs> I exist to feed them and make them laugh. Yeah. And at some point you transition into, I cannot raise an asshole. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you do things like you're going to play by yourself for five minutes <laughs> And you're not going to talk to mama and you're not going to interrupt mama and you're not going to ask mama for snacks. Yeah. yeah. Right. Because you, you teach your children that the world does actually not revolve around their every whim. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so when you have capacity to teach your children to do that, guess what? Mm-hmm. You have capacity to be a little bit more connected with your spirit and your heart and your person. Yeah. yeah. And so I think it's easy to self-sacrifice yourself. And then your kids go to school and you're like, I don't know who I am. But Mm -hmm. that was really a choice. Mm -hmm. You chose that. Mm -hmm. And that might sound like a little brutal, a little unkind, but you get clever. Before I had kids, I sat in coffee shops with journals and like woo-wooed my way into who I was, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And when you have kids, it looks different, Yeah. right? You get up a little earlier. You stay up a little later. I have had the most intense come to Jesus talks with myself holding laundry. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's where I'm at. Mm-hmm. Right. So mm-hmm. does that kind of answer your yeah. question? Yeah, it does. It I does. Th- I think it's, I think that's, I think it's so incredible and so helpful and, um, and, and so amazing because I do, I do, we see it so, yeah. so often in so many yeah. women that, that just somewhere along the way really because like obviously the goal is to like to keep your child alive and to not raise little assholes um but giving your child everything they want whenever they want and taking it upon yourself that your child should never be bored and that you do everything to keep them entertained is just not a reality no it's It's just not it's not a reality and it's not it's not good for your heart. It's not. And guess what? Like as much as sometimes you don't want to be around your children, they don't want to be around you. Totally. So your five minutes away from them is really good for them too. Even mm-hmm. if maybe they don't totally. quite know it. Mm-hmm. Totally. Um, but I think that's hard because I think that 
we do live in a culture where it is like do whatever makes you happy and so the goal is to make everybody happy and to do everything that your little heart desires so you should do everything that your child's Mm -hmm. heart desires but that's not actually a reality and somewhere along the way you you have given up every part of yourself to give someone else everything they want but you're actually not helping them grow and you yourself are not able to grow but I think that's so great of just when you just said like as your kids get big you should get big as well and so taking Mm -hmm. those opportunities we talk about it a lot at, in camp is like what, even if you're at home, like your season of life, like what is the significant and purposeful lead role in the story of your life that you are living right now? And yeah. it are, it is those special moments of, of growing and learning while you're folding laundry totally. or while you're in the shower, like those, like I, I swear I hear more from God in the moments of my five minute shower than when I'm like sitting down and journaling or being quiet or Mm -hmm. wanting to have like this sacred time of learning and growing. And you're like, nope, shower in five (laughs) minutes. Like Mm -hmm. these moments where if we can stay connected to our hearts instead of giving them up to, to try to make everyone happy because the goal is to not make your child happy, your goal is to, like you said, not raise little assholes. Right. There's like, this is something I feel really passionately about. And it's something I I do. Tell us. You know, I feel really strongly about this. And it's, it has been the cry of my heart since my children were born. And I think you like mama's really, really listen because not, there's never on the ever on the face of the planet. Does a mama, (laughs) Um, birth children and just hope that they're meh, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like you just yeah. don't. Yeah. You hope yeah. that your children are these incredible humans mm-hmm. who chase their dreams, right? Mm-hmm. Like nobody births kids would be like, I just hope they waste their life. Mm-hmm. Like I just, just hope mm-hmm. that that's what they do. Or they right? make it by. Right. Like you just, yeah. just don't hope that. Yeah. You hope for your children more than you hope for yourself. Mm-hmm. The trouble is that's not what we show them. Mm-hmm. That's a, that's a problem. Like if we are not moms who are fully alive and who are walking in our intended calling mm-hmm. and we are not doing hard things and we are not braving unknown waters and we are not working to be better, how on God's green earth do you expect them <laughs> mm-hmm. to not be martyrs to sacrifice? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like please help me understand that. Yeah. Like, yeah. It doesn't work like that. Yeah. Like, how can I ask Hudson to be brave if he's never seen me be brave? Yes. Mm-hmm. How can That's I good. ask him to do that? Mm-hmm. How can I ask Capri to walk a life that is not filled with shame mm-hmm. if she has never seen me walk outside of shame? Yeah. This is not. So I would tell you, <laughs> fight tooth and nail, not for the Pinterest birthday and the bedroom. <laughs> And the card, and I get it because I I love me some Pinterest. <laughs> but I'm telling you, fight tooth and nail to wake up in the morning and be like, this is who I am. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I am walking fully as I am intended. And I'm going to tell you how you're going to know that. <laughs> you're going to know that because you're not going to be tired. Yes, that's good. This is how you're going to know. This is 100% how you know. If you go into any Target on any given day and you ask a mama, how do you feel right now? I know exactly what she's going to tell you. I am effing tired. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. For sure. Yeah, yeah. For sure. I feel you. 
tired. <laughs> and, and I'm not suggesting that, you know, working hard is not tiresome, but there's a difference between the tired of fulfillment and the tired of like there is exhaustion yes. and yes. self-sacrifice, yeah. right? Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Is that totally. clear? Yes. Because it being busy silk. and like getting shit done are two different things. Mm -hmm. Totally. Mm -hmm. You know, they're two very different things of just like mindlessly doing everything to keep ourselves busy. So we don't have to mm -hmm. pay attention to anything and being intentional in everything that we're doing. Mm -hmm. Even if it's laundry, wiping butts, and feeding children. Like, mm -hmm. there's a difference of being present and just mindlessly living life. Like, everything is grand, marvelous, and wonderful, and nothing bad's ever going to happen, and everything's going to be great. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's so true. You know, you guys are talking about, Annie, you had said just, like, keeping your kids happy. And then, Lou, you had kind of said the same thing. And it's... It's interesting because we feel like happiness is supposed to be this state that is like everlasting. <laughs> you know, it's like this mm -hmm. this place of arrival and once you arrive there then it's it's meant to like just withstand the test of time that they need to be happy for the rest of their lives or even us as adults, mm -hmm. as women, as even as men, as uh, as you know, in your marriage, whatever it is in mm -hmm. your business that it's this place of like arrival where they're happy but and then what? You know what I mean? Like, and then what? And then what What do you do when your kids, because there's no, there's, your kids being happy is not a bad thing. You being happy is not a bad thing. You being joyful is not a bad thing. You being content in certain areas of your life is not a bad thing. Mm -hmm. But then there's also that, I'm sure, like, as raising kids, like, teaching them how to, how to deal with their emotions, their anger, mm -hmm. their their sadness, their frustration when they don't get their way, mm -hmm. you know, in a healthy way. Mm -hmm. And then also how to treat people when they feel like, when they feel like mom is the one that's making their life miserable because you're not <laughs> giving me what I want. Totally. And so it's your fault. Mm -hmm. And so like teaching them, I'm sure, mm -hmm. to be able to communicate that in a way that is healthy, I feel like is really important because... A lot of the time we, we look at kids and we just say, like, be quiet. You know, you're not allowed to disagree, but allowing them to disagree, but yet in a healthy way. Totally. You know? And, and so I, I was just thinking about, like, letting your kids be wild, but yet also, like you said, like, be kind mm -hmm. and be blessings and not bummers, mm -hmm. but yet also know how to struggle, know how to communicate when they don't get their way or... Yeah. and or how to be angry and not destructive mm -hmm. or disrespectful. Mm -hmm. um, because there's, we talk about this often where allow yourself to get angry or even allow kids to get angry. Mm -hmm. But yet most of the time when kids get angry, they're so disrespectful. Mm -hmm. They're so disrespectful. Mm -hmm. And yet you're like, wait, wait, wait. Okay. How do I allow you to be wild, express yourself, and be respectful at the same time. Mm -hmm. And know that your brain hasn't fully developed that you actually don't really know what's going on inside of you. So you're freaking <laughs> yeah. out because you actually don't have right. the brain capacity to like be, you don't know what you're thinking. You're just throwing a fit and freaking out because you're actually just sort of that developed right now. And that's totally fine. Totally fine. And if I feel like if more adults, you know, would allow themselves to throw tantrums, We've had a lot healthier people that were less pissed off at each other. We just have a little freak out and target everyone so while totally. we have to get drug out. Totally. Like the healthiest thing, you know your children are functioning healthily when they're losing their shit. Yeah. Like their ever-loving shit, right? Yeah, yeah. Like, and you hope it's like 
not public, but sometimes it is. But the whole hope is like you're their safe space, so act mm-hmm. like it. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Like you're the person that they come to that they're like, I am not having it. I am flipping <laughs> out, mm-hmm. right? And you're so the temptation is to be like, hey, get it together. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. I'm tired. Yeah. <laughs> I need a coffee. <laughs> Whatever, yeah. right? In all reality, like, you're supposed to be asking the questions. Hey, buddy, what are you mad about? Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, Because then you teach them to emote. Yeah, because they don't know. And most of the time, as adults, when we're angry, we don't know what we're necessarily mad about. Mm -hmm. We we blame other people, Mm -hmm. you know, for doing something that makes us mad. But what are we actually mad about? Totally. Are we mad because we were mistreated or we feel mm-hmm. like there's something that's unfair mm-hmm. or, you know, what, whatever it may be. But I'm sure as kids, it's so healthy because I've seen you with your kids, like ask them like, hey, oh. buddy, mm-hmm. you know, like what's going on? You know, <laughs> even though they don't really know, but you like, that's what you like you ask. And I think yeah. that's so important mm-hmm. yeah. because they feel seen, yeah. their, their emotions feel acknowledged, yeah. um, which is so important for, for little humans to, yeah. to feel that way because yeah. they feel safe enough, you know, to express those things as they get totally. older. Right. And like, this is a really good example. Like Capri's four, she's just like coming into her own mm-hmm. and she's pretty excited about it. Right. Yeah. So this morning, um, I made them breakfast and, um, she was great. And I served her her breakfast and she like lost her bananas. Right. <laughs> and so you really have to temper your own patience because you're like, oh, Lord, (laughs) this is how we're starting, (laughs) right? But if you're, you know, just grown up enough in that point, and it doesn't always happen, please please don't mishear me. Mm. There is plenty of days where I'm like, eat the freaking toast, (laughs) And there's other days when coffee's kicked in and you're like, hey, what's the matter? Why are you crying over toast, (laughs) right? And... If you can get it out of your kids, like what really is happening, she really wanted to take the toast, which is things we're learning, out of the toaster, put it on her plate, and put the jam on it. Why? Okay. Because it's her demonstration of growth, of independence, of learning to be Mm -hmm, mm self-sufficient. So I can squash it or I can be like, oh, shoot, I'm so sorry. Yeah. How about next time you tell me, mom... I want to take the bread out of the toaster. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Got it. No big deal. Oh, yeah. You know, right? Because you just have to be willing to ask the questions. And how do you feel as a grown-up when you're frustrated and someone tells you to get over and eat your toast? Yeah. Mm-hmm. How do you feel? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Not awesome. Right. Right? When someone's like, why are you, why are you upset about your toast? Yeah. Well, I'm just not having it today. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I want to put heard. the jam on it. Yeah, yeah, it's important to be heard for sure. Yeah. Chantel, there was like one thing you said that I did want to like wrap back around like because I think this is really important. Mm-hmm. I hear a lot of parents talk a lot about even their grown children like as long as they're happy. Mm-hmm. As long as they're happy. Mm-hmm. As long as they're happy. Mm-hmm. Um, I really believe that that's bad counsel. Yeah, yeah. it totally I, is. I really believe that our goal as parents, which never ends even when your children are old, mm-hmm. um, that our goal is as long as they're walking in truth, mm-hmm. right? Because there's a huge difference between happiness and joy, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Happiness tends to always be conditional mm-hmm. and joy is really derived from a place of truth. Mm-hmm. When I'm settled, when I'm walking in truth, when I'm walking as I should, mm-hmm. joy comes, mm-hmm. right? So I think that that's a big deal. And that's something that Austin and I talk a lot 
about with our kids at this even at this point because we know that by the time your little boy's 12 I hope you did the work mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. because chances are he's bigger than you yeah. at this point. Yeah. And, um, you know, you're going to be hard pressed to like bring him back around mm-hmm. to what you really, the truth you really hoped you laid there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. That's so good. Well, I don't know. It's a, it's a big yeah. thing. It's yeah. really good. It's really good. Yeah. Because, because ultimately I think we, we think if, if people aren't happy, then it's something that we did wrong. So we're literally trying to feed our own, our own identities and confidence with like, I'm doing a good job because everyone's happy mm-hmm. instead of, Ooh, I'm actually doing a really good job because people are a little bit upset mm-hmm. and everyone's not happy. And it's okay mm-hmm. if they are. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. Um, what would you say is, um, what is like the, the best, like, I don't want to say the best part cause I feel like that might be kind of vague, but what, what are like, what are one or two of the simplest things that make you the most happy about being a mom? Like what brings you like the most joy in being, other than like, oh my gosh, I love when my kids get along with each other, but like yeah. the little, like the little moments that bring you the most joy as a mom with your kids. I love it when my kids demonstrate, um, like they get it beyond what I think they do. Mm-hmm. Right. So, um, a couple days ago I was crying on the couch, which is not something I hide from my kids. Great. And don't do it. <laughs> Let your children yeah. see you feel. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. Austin and I are big criers. Bless him. Um, I was crying on the couch and, um, Capri asked me, why are you crying? And I said, well, I'm just, I'm just happy and I'm a little confused and I'm just a little bit sad. <laughs> if that's not confusing. Yeah, yeah. I'm just yeah. like, okay, mama. And then she went and played and I just was sitting there and then she came back around and she gave me this sweet little hug and then said, mama, your heart's sad and oh, that's okay. Oh. And oh. I just about died. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I bet. Um, because you learn that your children are much more in tune with you than you think they are. Yeah. And we want our children to demonstrate empathy. That's yeah. really important. Yeah. And they can't do that if they never see a struggle yeah. or hurt or cry. Yeah. And so those kinds of moments are when you're just like, oh my gosh, you know, or, you know, your son tells your husband, mom is going to be super mad about that. And she is not going to be happy. Like, <laughs> My work here is done. <laughs> also makes me happy. I mean, those kinds of things. Just, just when you're, you realize that your children like carry in their hearts, mm-hmm. what you hope they do. Yeah. 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 That, that is like the end all be all. Yeah. Yeah. Done. Oh, that's good. That's yeah. good. What is, um, what's the hardest part about being a mom? You just like are shooting from the hip. Mm-hmm. You're like, I sure hope I'm doing this right. Mm-hmm. I, I think that's the hardest part is this not knowing. Mm-hmm. Like, I think this is right. Mm-hmm. This is sometimes you take what your parents have shown you and you're like, that was awesome. Sometimes you're like, that was terrible. Mm-hmm. Let's not do that. Yeah. Um, but you you are just always hoping that it's enough. Mm-hmm. Right? Like. I hope I'm not jacking them up. Mm-hmm. I hope I'm not damaging them. I, and 
there is times like the most gut-wrenching part of parenting is when you lose it and you blow it and you know it and your kids know it yeah and you are like i am the cesspool of humanity right now. <laughs> like who flips on their five-year-old i do me me like those are the worst and hardest mm-hmm. parts and then the equally hardest part is then going to your five-year-old and saying, I need to tell you that that wasn't okay. Mm-hmm. I actually will never forget this. I lost my shiz on Hudson so bad. I was like, just losing my bananas. Like, I was like, you are so whiny. All you do is whine. What is wrong with you? <laughs> like, just losing it. And was like, go to your room. Go to your bed. You're going to bed. I can't do this anymore. Austin was gone. He was traveling, and he did travel a lot. At that point, I'm not in no way trying to make a disclaimer right now, but he was gone a lot. But Mama was a little thin. Mama was a little thin. Yeah. And I sat on the couch, and I just was like, it is your job to keep his calm. Yeah. That is my job. And I failed. Yeah. Like, I failed. Yeah. And I, like, had to be like, Annie, get up. Tell your son that you were wrong and Mm. that you're sorry. Mm. And that you want to try harder, right? And which takes like a massive amount of humility. Yeah. Because you want to sit there and stew in your anger just about as bad as you want to go in there. Like, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I did. And I remember like trying to choke out these words to my five-year-old. Like, I am so sorry that I was not kind to you. Mm. And that I lost my patience. And he's like looking at me. And I said, Hudson, do you forgive me? <laughs> and he's like... Um, yeah, but when is my dad coming home? (laughs) (laughs) And you're like, okay, that will be awesome tomorrow. Have a good night. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the hardest part. Definitely those are the hardest parts. Oh, I bet. So if you were to say, um, so we're, we're coming to an end, close to an end, um, what are some like words of advice like that from the, the six years that you've been a mom, Mm -hmm. what are, what are like some gold nuggets that give us some, give Give us some some mom stack nuggets. Okay. Okay, I'm going to try here. Um, please bear in mind, I only have a six year old and a four year old, so I haven't even (laughs) like ventured into the like teen years. Yeah. Which I'm sure maybe we better revisit this podcast. then. (laughs) I might change my mind. Um, there's a couple of things I think I think one of the things that if you just determine in your heart out the gate that you choose to be humble Mm. you choose to function in your motherhood in humility everything's going to be easier Mm. (laughs) like we don't have it all figured out Mm -hmm. we we don't know all the answers and Mm -hmm. it's okay to tell our kids that yeah we don't know we don't know all the answers Mm -hmm. And I think if we can position our hearts in a place where we are open to that, we mm-hmm. will we will fare much better, and our children will fare much better. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes we get like the mama power, like we tell you what to do all day long, right? And it becomes do this, go here, do that, you know, mm-hmm. and you just kind of naturally fall into that role. And sometimes we lose that position of humility and. I, I really believe that that's important. Mm-hmm. I think to have the capacity to tell your children you're wrong mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. vital. Mm-hmm. Um, I know we were talking about this earlier today. Like, mamas, there is no way on the face of the earth that you are not going to damage your children in some way. Mm-hmm. Is it going to be intentional? No. Mm-hmm. 
Is it going to be like purposeful? For sure not. Mm -hmm. But you are going to. Yeah. And the unfortunate reality is that you're not perfect. Mm -hmm. And so you have only two options now. (laughs) You're going to damage your children. It's Mm -hmm. going to happen. You're not perfect. I either ignore it or I acknowledge it. Mm -hmm. And I know that for most of us, had we had a parent that just came and said, when you confronted them or just said, I am sorry, Mm -hmm. what that would have done. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's, it's practice like a muscle. Yeah. It's not easy in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. It's not easy to tell your teenager, I'm really sorry for Mm -hmm. what I said to you. Mm -hmm. Or when they come to you to not rise up to the defense, right? Because the temptation is like, I did the best I could. Mm -hmm. And it, decredits their feelings, right? Like, I did the best I could. You haven't been a mom. You don't know. Just say I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm sorry. It was Mm -hmm. not my intention to hurt you. Mm -hmm. I'm really sorry, but that really hurt. Mm -hmm. I think what's really important, like what what you're just saying like right now is you're saying you're sorry not so that your kids like still like you. No. You know, like you're saying you're sorry because it's important for their growth as humans so like the relationship with you and your child is like I know that when I am wrong I am going to come to you and acknowledge it and ask right. for your forgiveness and right. so I'm it's almost like cultivating yeah. a a I don't want to say like a power but a um you're giving them you're putting you're putting the the the, the, almost like the power in their hands and you're, mm-hmm. you're trusting them with that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so important with mm-hmm. kids is that you then are saying you are becoming vulnerable with them, not saying like, I'm sorry, just so that like, okay, like let's, let's make this better so that, that you still like me and that mm-hmm. we are still in this, you know? this place. But it is like, what I hear you saying is that you sit eye to eye and you're basically mm-hmm. saying like, I'm giving you the opportunity to forgive me. Mm-hmm. And I think that's so important to not only for your bond mm-hmm. between, but between like mother and mm-hmm. son or mother and daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, but there, there's a trust, like you're mm-hmm. trusting them with a decision mm-hmm. yeah. that has an outcome that looks like what what your relationship will be like like not obviously now and forever but yeah. the the next day the next hour mm-hmm. i think yeah. that's so important well that's the whole yeah. purpose of apology right forgiveness giving and receiving is the relationship is fractured mm-hmm. and then it's reconciled mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. how it works there's safety mm-hmm. in reconciliation because you are one again mm-hmm. yeah. that's the whole purpose mm-hmm. right so we can't expect our children to function healthily in relationships mm-hmm. if we're like ah, there's lots of fractures yeah. yeah it doesn't work that way yeah and no. you cannot have expectations of your children that you are not willing to do totally you have to be honest with that i mm-hmm. i i uh, that is something that Austin and I work very hard on, and it is something that's practiced mm-hmm. because you know instantly when you've snapped and you shouldn't have. And more than likely, you will see it on your children's faces. Mm-hmm. You're like, "Whoa, what was that?" Right? Yeah. So you fix it yeah. by admitting your fault. Yeah, like that. Yeah, that's it. So good, and be vulnerable in front of them. You totally. know, like be vulnerable, and I, that's so so important. I do. I know we're like running out of time, but I no, I do like genuinely think, outside of like being willing to walk in humility in in like parenthood in general, I 
if you go into having children and believe that you are not going to get fully wrecked, <laughs> you are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're going to. It's going to happen. And I think sometimes we watch mamas die inside um, because they're disconnected from their hearts and from their bodies and from their minds. Mm -hmm. And I am telling you the truth. When you feel things rise up in you that don't feel awesome, you have to acknowledge them. Mm -hmm. I wept when Capri, when I knew she was a girl. Yeah. I wept. Yeah. And I would love to tell you it was because I was super excited about bows and pink. It was not. I was terrified. <laughs> I was just terrified. Yeah. And I knew right away that there's there was damage in me. Mm -hmm. And I needed to identify it. And mm -hmm. so when the things come up in you, just acknowledge them. If it's even just one line in a journal, yeah. just acknowledge it. Because you're going to either have the opportunity to uncover it, and it doesn't have to be fast, and it doesn't have to be glamorous, and it doesn't have to be podcasty. It doesn't have mm -hmm. to be any of those things. It can be like a single tier folding laundry. Mm -hmm. You will either do that or you will stuff it. Yeah. And I am telling you, to, to uncover those places is how you become a better human and how you become a better parent, yeah. is to just not ignore it. Yeah. So... I think it happens in all of us. Like you're going to get wrecked. Mm -hmm. You're going to like feel like control rise up in you, or you're going to feel lack of patience, or you're going to feel fear. Or why do I feel shame that I haven't felt in years? Like mm -hmm. acknowledge it and mm -hmm. walk in it. Yeah. Because I promise you will come out on the other side, a better human and thus a better parent. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, I just feel like that's a big one. Yeah. So yeah. good. So good. Thank you. That was so good. Speaking of acknowledging, there is not a man um, that has joined the podcast. This is actually Lou. Mm -hmm. And <laughs> my, my voice sounds like this because yesterday I felt so frustrated that I just actually needed to yell in the car because I just felt so frustrated. And it was like, I just need to allow myself to feel frustrated. And so now I sound as such and so yeah it's actually Lou there is not a man uh, <laughs> on the other end of this podcast that has joined us so we want to say thank you for joining yes, us yeah on, thank you Annie for um, joining us yeah on this episode of uh, Dear Life I'm In you can find Annie Stack on Stack a Mama on <laughs> Stack Mama no it's Stack a Mama Stack a Mama Stack a Mama, Stack -a -mama. Um, on Instagram, you can find Chantel at Chantel.Dayton. You can find me, Lucian Crenshaw, on Instagram. You can find us at dropgym.com on the internet. You can also find us at drop.gym on Instagram and dropgym on Facebook. So find all the places, all the things. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening. And we hope to uh, see you next time. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye, guys. Bye.